Welcome to another installment of Pop Cultured with Marie. So, I've been kind of busy lately, so that's why I didn't get to this podcast right away. Um, for those of you that don't really know, I do some political volunteering and I have been doing some stuff because it is the midterm elections and a lot is at stake. So I talked about this back when I was doing my Kevin Smith View Askewverse podcast and it was about how like Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back was originally going to have an NC-17 rating and how most theaters would not have put that out there. So I thought, let's do a podcast on the Motion Picture Association and the film ratings. So let's start with an overview on the Motion Picture Association, the MPA, originally called the MPAA from 1945 till 2019, which was the most Motion Picture Association of America. It was founded in 1922 as the MPPDA. Now that's a tongue full for an acronym. The Motion Picture Producers and Distributors of America. Ugh. Now I see why they shortened it. <laughs> and so they are they are a trade association that represents the five major film studios of the United States as well as Netflix. And you know, their original goal was to ensure the vi the viability of the American film industry. But of course, over time they did evolve and that's how you came up with these lovely ratings. So, so um, they created the Motion Picture Production Code, which was also known as the Hayes Code in 1930. Now, I know a lot of people are like, what the fudge is the Hayes Code? Well, the Hayes Code was named after what was then the Motion Picture Producers and Distributors of America organization and it was the it was a gentleman by the name of will h hayes hence the hayes code so he was actually a politician shocker he was a politician who was and i'm actually looking this up he was the chairman of the rnc the republican national committee the gop all you Americans will know what I mean. He was also the Postmaster General from 1921 so this started it and it was basically it the Hayes code was basically very in 
very intriguing. It was the guidelines for the self-censorship of content that was applied to most motion pictures released in the United States by the major studios. So that's pretty much why a lot of stuff seems very tame in old cinema. So this was replaced by a voluntary film rating system in 1968. And the film system that that came about was actually what we know today as the Motion Picture Association film rating system. So this was introduced in 1968 and the MPA rating at the time, the MPAA, they, you know, it was one of various various systems that were used to help parents decide what films are appropriate for children and it's administered by a independent division of the MPA called the classification and ratings administration so here goes so the MPA ratings today are G, which is general audiences. That's all ages admitted. Nothing that would offend parents who want to watch it with their kids. Think, think a lot of like animated films. And then there's PG parental guidance, which is parents are urged to give parental guidance. And many may contain some material that might not be suited for for children. And then there's PG-13, which is Parents Strongly Caution, which for those of you that really followed the Batman film franchise, this is where a lot of the Batman films got their rating. Just want to throw that out there. And that's some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. So, so yeah, but here's where it gets to where it's like, okay, adults, you might not want to take the kids to this. Rated R, restricted. Under 17 requires accompaniment by parent or adult guardian. God, that sounds like, that sounds like a movie announcer voice, doesn't it? (laughs) But yeah, it some it contains adult material this is a lot of your action films like your diehards which i don't care what anybody says diehard is not a christmas movie but like your diehards your rambos you know basically action films where they blow shit up and then there is nc-17 which is no one under 17 admit it Although, now it's no one 17 and under admit it. And it's clearly adult themes. So, in these, in these ratings, you originally had it where it'd be like, okay, R, NC-17, PG, G, PG-13. But 
it would be like, um, what? Why did it get this rating? And, you know, there would be like, you know, people would be like, why did it get this rating? You know, because they wouldn't know what was the content. So in 2013, the MPA redesigned the visuals in the promos. And they had it where there it would show the rating. But it would also show you, like, a detailed description of the film's content. And I'm trying to find an example of it. And Okay, here we go. I found an example of what it could be by looking at, because I just Googled it, and this is going to be insane when I tell you this, but I am Googling the 2019 film The Lighthouse, okay? It's one of, it's my all-time favorite movie. I am sorry. I mean, if you watch my if you watched it, you would know why I liked it. If you listened to my podcast, you would know this is my all-time favorite movie. I talked about it in, in that whole podcast of top 10 Robert Pattinson films. So, Lighthouse has an R rating, obviously. And I just looked. This is, this is from IMDb. And has the MPA rating, which is R. And it says rated R for sexual content, nudity, violence, disturbing images, and some language. Although I think it's more, I think it's more the sexual content, the nudity. Although ladies, we got to be honest. Pattinson's naked ass was fine. (laughs) And then... The violence, because he did kill a seabird. And, you know, the language, okay, you know what I mean. So that shows you how it is. It'll, it'll be like, it'll be like, it'll say rated R, nudity, violence, language. I mean, NC-17 would probably be like graphic sex and nudity or graphic violence and of course you know they this is a voluntary voluntary system but every filmmaker does submit their film work to it which is because of the whole so called kiss of death which is the non-rated NC-17 ratings. So, here, here, um, if, if it's an uncut version of the film that was submitted, you know, you sometimes you'll see not rated, unrated, uncut extended versions of the film that are labeled unrated can also contain warnings about what's the content of the film you might not see these in theaters because like I said it is very rare to have a unrated movie in theaters so a lot of times you will probably see this 
you know, back in the day, you'd probably see this, like, if you go into your Blockbuster and got a DVD. These days, I would think, like, if you go on, like, iTunes or Voodoo and go to buy a digital download, you'll see it. So, yeah. And then, of course, if, if the film hasn't been assigned a final rating and there are promos that are out there, that's when you will... You will hear stuff like, this film is not yet rated. And, you know, you'll, you'll kind of see like the different, you kind of see also color code it. Like, I'm serious, color code it. Because in film trailers, the MPA does also rate those, the print advertising, posters, and other media that's used to promote the film. So like... There'll be like different types. They call the rating cards, which are those little cards that you see at the beginning of trailers. And they have, they call them bands as like the different colors of the cards. Like green band is, it'll say something like the following preview has been approved to accompany this feature. And, you know, until 2009, these cards indicated that it's been approved for all audiences. And so the yellow card, which would be the, which exists solely to indicate trailers with a strict, with restricted content that are hosted on the internet with the word stipulating the following preview has been approved only for age appropriate internet users. And then of course there's the red band, which is mostly the R-rated films, the NC-17 rated films, but nine times out of ten in theaters, it will be the R-rated films. So, so yeah, that's kind of where, where that comes about. And the, so I talked about the Hayes Code. That was replaced in 1966. The man who did it, his name is Jack Valenti. And Jack Valenti, this is very interesting because Jack Valenti, like, like Mr. Hayes, was also in politics. And he was a special assistant to Lyndon Johnson, who was, of course, who was, of course, president of the United States. He was the 36th president to be exact 37th vice president he assumed office when kennedy was killed so interesting trivia so he he kind of ended up coming up with this whole thing because the motion picture code was out of date and had had like this this kind of overtone of censorship. So, and, you know, there was, there was some great examples of it that Valenti did talk about, like the film Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, which contained expressions like screw and hump the hostess. And then, of course, there was a film called Blow Up, which was denied the approval of the code due to nudity so 
So yeah, it so yeah, they kind of changed it around. Now, from 1968 to 1970, the ratings were, you know, G, M, R, and X. G, of course, we know. M sounds more like it was the equivalency of like the PG or the PG-13 ratings of today. R was restricted, but at the time it wasn't it wasn't that you had to be over 17 to not go not to be there with with an adult. It was 16. And then of course X was nobody under 16 so that's how it was until about this the 1970s so about the 1970s it changed so from 70 to 72 they well they did away with m completely so you ended up with g gp r and x GP was pretty much the M rating. So that was the parental guidance one. So, and that's when you would sometimes see a disclaimer that would say something like, this film contains material which may not be suitable for preteens. And they also bumped the R and X rating age. So R became no one under 17 without an adult and X became no one under 17 period so this so this went on for for a couple of years then 1972 they changed it again so 1972 to 1984 we're talking about this ended up with where it was G GP got turned to PG then you had R and X. The age parameters stayed the same. So, so that was about 1984. In 1984, they added a new one, the PG-13. So, PG-13 was added. So now you had G, PG, PG-13, parents strongly question some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. I know we've all heard that in a radio ad. R, and then you had rated X. So that was from 84 to 90. And there was also a Tennessee law in 1989 where it set the minimum, the minimally, minimum age that a theatrically R film in a theater it you know it's 17 it was 17 under the MPA rating at the time MPAA but in 1989 Tennessee made a law that bumped it up by one year and categorized the emissions of minors to x-rated films as a misdemeanor and this this remained on the books until 2013 when it was ruled to be a violation of the First Amendment. And that was actually a, that was actually a case, actually. I'm pulling up an article about it. So here, um, 
it was a woman emailed sent an email up to a news station about how her 17 year old son and his girlfriend who was also 17 were denied tickets to an R-rated movie and this this is actually how it came about that that this you know this was a little known thing and it was actually you know it would be a class A misdemeanor punishable by a $2,500 fine or 11 months and 29 days in jail weird but yeah that ended up being a case and it was actually a case that they that ended up ruling hey this isn't cool so that's how you ended up where you have today with these ratings so that that case you know did away with that with that whole thing in 2013 so now it's the law was amended in 2013 to prohibit persons under the age of 18 only if the film was considered harmful to minors which that could be just very vague so 1990 is the next time these ratings were changed around and so here what happened was pornographic films often self-applied the x rating so there was a stigma on the x rating so there are some prominent x-rated films midnight cowboy and clockwork orange are among the lists but here because of the porn the porn industry they you know there was a stigma on the x rating so it would be like oh no it's a porno when you know those of us that have seen a clockwork orange know that it is not a porno so in so in the in the 90s september 1990 the mpaa now the mpa introduced the nc17 rating which is no one is no children under 17 admitted so this this started in the first nc17 rated film to come out was actually a 1990 film and it starred Fred Ward and Uma Thurman it was Fred Ward Uma Thurman and the only other notable one on this list is Kevin Spacey it was called Henry and June and this was the first the first film that was NC7, given the NC-17 rating. Oddly enough, it was also nominated for Best Cinematography at the Academy Awards that year. So, we went from... We went from X to NC-17. So, 90 to 96. G, PG, PG-13, R, NC-17. 
1996, the same ratings from nine from 90 to 96 are still intact. One exception was changed. The minimum age for NC-17 rated films was raised from 17 to 18. And it was reworded to no one under 17 admitted. Which I find weird that they raised it. They raised the NC-17 minimum age to 18. But still kept it NC-17. Very odd. Okay, so... So you would, so you have your stand, so you have the GPG, PG thirteen, R, and NC seventeen, which has been the same thing since nineteen ninety six. Now, in September, since September of nineteen ninety, the MPAA included brief, uh, brief explanations on why each film received the R rating. So you know if Twilight. No, not Twilight. If Lighthouse, the Lighthouse was released in, like, the 90s, you would actually see the reasons why. You know, just like you do in 2022. So, they would do that. And then, in the 2000s, they changed it to where they put it on every film except for the G rating. So, like, PG, PG-13, NC-17. Well, NC-17, I think, would be pretty much self-explanatory. And I will give you an example of that with looking at another film, 2008's Twilight. So, this is the parents' guy from IMDb, and the MPAA rating, it says here, Rated PG-13 for some violence and a scene of sensuality. Scene of sensuality. Um, did they not look at Robert Pattinson? I mean, <laughs> he could just stand there and girls would be like, Oh yeah. Just saying. So, yeah, they... So what makes these rating components? Violence. So, violence must be kept to a minimum in G-rated films, but not intensive PG films. And intense violence are permitted under PG-13 films, but the realistic shit, it you're you're going into rated R territory. Language. So, language that goes. So, language that is polite considered polite conversation is a G rating. Anything goes beyond it so is probably pushing the envelope. So here you go. This is from Wikipedia. Snippets of language that go beyond polite conversation are permitted in PG films but no stronger words are present. So basically you can have an impolite conversation in a G film but no profanity. Minute you get profanity, you're pushing into PG. Harsher sexually derived words as an explicit will most likely 
push a PG-13. So basically, if you drop an F-bomb, that's most likely a PG-13 one. Now, more than one occurrence will usually have an R rating slapped on it, which I think would be the sexually derived word. So there you go. And then, you know, this is known as the automatic language rule. It's been a rule that's been applied differently depending on the subject matter. The example that Wikipedia gives is all the president's men. They said, all the president's men receive a general rating on appeal despite multiple instances of strong language, likely because of the historic subject matter. So, yeah, it was kind of, so yeah, they were kind of giving it, trying to give it a little more of a stronger one, but here, here they were like, you know what, it, it has to do with a historic subject matter. And for those of you that have never saw All the President's Men, basically it's about how Woodward and Bernstein from the Washington Post exposed Watergate. Great movie. I highly recommend it. In fact, if you, and if you major in journalism or communications, you must watch it at least once. I know my journalism professor had us watch it at least once. So, yeah, it's weird how they, how they do that. Substances, which is basically drug content, would be restricted to anything above a PG-13 film. Nudity. Now, nudity is a weird one because nudity is restricted to to a PG rating and above and anything that constitutes more than brief nudity will require at least a PG-13 rating. Nudity that's sexually oriented will generate will generally require an R rating and you know there have been films that have had this issue um, so you know, according to Wikipedia, it says since 2006, films have been flagged by the MPAA for carrying nudity. In 2010, the MPAA flagged three films specifically for male nudity. And this was precipitated by parental pressure in response to the film Bruno. In 2018, MPAA rating share Joan Graves clarified the MPA's position stating we don't usually define nudity as male or female usually we just mention partial nudity or graphic nudity now you know I call bullshit on this and here's why I call bullshit on this it is because of a little film from 2002 called Solaris in fact, Solaris, this film, it's in, this is the insane film ever. It's the, the film's so confusing for one thing, okay? I think Soderbergh was trying to get to Art House with this. So here you go. A few weeks prior to the release of Solaris, the MPA 
assigned the film an R rating, and it was because of two scenes that featured George Clooney's naked ass. And this caused an outrage among filmmakers against both the MPAA, at the, at the time it was MPAA, and Directors Guild of America. Steven Soderbergh, who's the director of Solaris, he appealed, stating that similar content had been broadcast on network television. So 12 days prior to the film's release, an appeals board overturned the R rating for PG-13. In fact, that was probably the first time that I have ever seen a movie get more attention just because of two scenes with a naked ass. Although I gotta admit, Clooney has a nice ass. <laughs> hey, I'm a woman. I'm not dead. <laughs> but, yeah, I... I do see the double standard there because I keep thinking that if it was a scene where it was a it was a woman showing her naked ass twice, they'd be like, "Hey, it's cool, PG-13." In fact, there was also another one um, I heard where they had to digitally edit something in Twilight, in one of the Twilight films. I forgot which one it was, but it was. But it was basically they had to digitally edit it, so it was the it was a bedroom scene in one of the later Twilight films, and they had to digitally edit it because it showed too much of Robert Pattinson's ass. Which, if you ask half of the women in the free world, there is never. There is never such a thing as seeing too much of Robert Pattinson's ass. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just had to go there. <laughs> so, yeah. So, here we go. Final one. Sex. So, the MPAA does not have any explicit criteria for sexual content other than excluding sex scenes from G-rated films. Um, if that was the case, how come NC-17 exists then? Oy vey. So the effects of the ratings. There is one effect that a lot of people talk about, which is the exorcist. Oh, oh my god, the exorcist. So reason why they talk about it is I think we all remember the scene in The Exorcist where the little girl takes the crucifix and, and oh god how do I how do I say this because basically she stabbed herself in the ugly which you know a lot of people bitch about that one and so the exorcist for those of you that don't know was basically a little girl gets possessed by the devil Get out. that's my whole exorcist thing so there's a scene in the exorcist where the priest comes in performs the exorcism 
the girl grabs the grabs the crucifix and you know just goes to town with it a lot of people describe it as she stabbed herself in the crotch the uglies so the exorcist was rated r for strong language and disturbing images well seeing a 12 year old girl stab herself in the uglies with a crucifix is kind of disturbing i think it's even more disturbing than robert pattinson killing a seagull so i'm actually trying to see if i can find this um but yeah basically it was they hated it that and they they went crazy about it and you know so they had to edit it down and everything else just to get that r rating because it, otherwise it would have been given an x rating so that's that's the one thing the other thing of course i mentioned before was the whole thing solaris george clooney's ass so there was that one Let's talk NC-17 rating. NC-17 rating has been described as the kiss of death in cinema. And a good example of this is actually a film from 1995 called Showgirls. So Showgirls became the most widely distributed film with an NC-17 rating showed in a little over 1300 cinemas simultaneously but it was a financial failure that grossed only 45 percent of its 45 million dollar budget so let me actually look this up real quick because now i'm like what, what was 45 percent of it so the budget was between 40 and 45 million the box office draw on showgirls was 37 Point eight million. So, in a way, it was a financial failure. Um, that, of course, a lot of people did not know. So, Showgirls was shown in was shown very small cinemas and everything, and there was also a whole thing too where it. It was hard to push this because at the and at the time video rental was a big thing so like a lot of your independent mom-and-pop owned video stores would probably have it in their in their collections they may have it in that curtain area in the back that you would that you would probably see some random guy go into that's where they usually kept the adult films. But they actually had to come out with a version, an edited version, to, to have available for rental at like a blockbuster video. Because as we all know, blockbuster video never had adult films. So interesting factoid and then you know in 2000 
Directors Guild of America called the NC-17 rating an abject failure for causing filmmakers to re-edit films to receive an R rating rather than accept the NC-17. And, you know, they argued that it was not only compromising filmmakers' visions, but also greatly increasing the likelihood that adult-oriented movies are seen by by the very groups for which they are not intended. Okay? But also, there is another argument with the NC-17 rating, and this is one that very, very few people think about, and that is the NC-17 rating, a lot of times you will not see it in theaters because of the property owners of that, of where that theater is. Because a lot of these places are in shopping malls and there will be like a property ownership company, like, like, um, like assignment properties or a Priot that will that'll own these. And for those of you that don't know, Priot is a is a company that's based in Philadelphia that owns owns several malls in the greater Philadelphia area. Don't ask me how I know that. But yeah, it a lot of them have it in the clauses with the theaters that they're in that, yeah, you can't really show an NC-17 film. Now, also major, listen to this, major cinema chains like AMC and Regal, you know, they refuse to show NC-17 rated films. And so basically they're pushed into what's known as the art house theaters, the independent theaters. This was, of course, shown in for the 2010 film Blue, Blue Valentine, which had an NC-17 rating. And the Weinstein Company, which, is, which was the producers, challenged the decision and it ended up being awarded an R rating with nothing cut from it. And... You know, their, their whole thing was because AMC and Regal refused to show these NC-17 films. And a lot of film goers may not have access to these art house theaters. You know, the small indies. And then, so that that's another interesting thing there. And, you know, so there was that. There was the issue of R cards, which I I kind of don't like that one. I just don't like the name. And it was the parents could obtain these for children under 17 to see these films without an adult. Um, there was actually a, a now defunct theater chain, GKC Theaters, which was bought by AMC which had these and it generated a lot of controversy and you know 
Jack Valenti, who was the president at the time, he said, I think it distorts and ruptures the intent of this voluntarily voluntary rating system. All our rated films are not alike. So, yeah, they... And then, of course, the president of the National Association of Theater Owners at the time said the cards could be harmful. And, you know, you don't you don't see that these days, especially considering G, GKC Theaters is no more because it was bought by AMC. And, you know, there's actually a whole thing for publicizing the standards, question of relevance. It, the list goes on and on. And, but that's basically the MPA ratings in a nutshell so you think about it they they pretty much have it where you know it's voluntary but you really have to put it in there to get the rating and the only reason why is because otherwise you will not see it go from a go into a general theater so yeah it's pretty complicated and also another interesting fact is that whole thing I said with Kevin Smith and the Jay and Silent Bob thing that has that has happened several times in in cinema that I could think of Color and Night they had to edit out a brief glimpse of Bruce Willis's penis to have it get an R rating. Also, another good one is Fast Times at Richmond High, which originally got an X rating because of the because of a lot of the sexual content. Which, if you saw Fast Times at Richmond High, you know that those kids had a lot of sex. So. Here they had to edit it a bit so it could get an R rating. And like I said, it's because the NC-17 formerly X rating was a cinema, was and is a cinema kiss of death. So next time you go to the movies and then you hear about, about a certain movie, where they were like, oh, we had to edit it this because otherwise it would get this rating. That's why. I mean, a lot of people thought the Batman was going to get an R rating. But, phew. So, yeah, that concludes this episode of Pop Cultured. <sighs> Tune in next week when I will... I don't know what I'm going to do next week because I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to do what I'm going to do this week as always it's this podcast is written produced and directed by me I'm hosted on anchor log on to anchor.fm where you can get your podcast hosted and I am also listed on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon. I have a whole list on a Linktree page 
which you can find through my Twitter at popculture267. And until then, don't forget to be awesome.